0: hey james want to answer a question i do want to finally answer a question this is from quora why do people think that music should be free
1: you know i notice this in general so i write quite a bit but some of my writing I sell. I
0: write quite a bit, he says. It's like the ocean saying, I'm kind of wet.
1: So most, um, 99% of everything I write is free, and then I write these books that I sell for 99 cents because I self-publish on Amazon, and Amazon doesn't let you actually sell any less than 99 cents. You would otherwise?
0: Uh, I would consider it. 19 cents? Well, I I think, I don't know, but uh, often... Now I'm w- surprised, sorry to interrupt, I'm surprised you, the guy who uses $2 bills and lies down on the sidewalk to talk to strangers. I'm surprised you wouldn't pick a price like $1. seventeen.
1: You know, there's a lot of, I want people to read what I write. So there's a lot of studies on how you should price things so, so the maximum number of people read what you write. So I'm not really doing any kind of like, experiments there i just want simply want people to read and value what i write and when i no,
0: i understand that but i would just think that you would think that a weird price would garner attention
1: maybe i uh, maybe i should try it the good thing is you can change the price every day
0: Ooh, so, now there you go what if you made it a penny cheaper every day or maybe uh, a like penny any, more expensive yeah every then, day.
1: Then, then, then you'd maybe get some buyers if you were announcing it because there would be a scarcity feeling but to answer the question people now if, if i write something a particularly awesome. controversial article people will say, invariably, 100% of the time, someone will comment, oh, he's just trying to sell more books. And I'd really like to ask that person, how does anybody make money selling 99-cent books? So your free audience often has a small minority component that is very nasty and vocal. And they resent any, even if you're giving them, you know, I do podcast they can listen to this podcast for free all my writing i write every day they can read all that for free and then just books i simply ask for less than a dollar you know for an entire book that takes like maybe a year to write Uh, i'm just asking for like 99 cents so the question is um why do people want music for free it's because we're not hearing from everybody who's buying music like i pay for music for instance but there is always that vocal minority who
0: just believes they should have everything for free so It is interesting, like the psychology of free is pretty weird and it runs in a couple of directions, right? So I think there are instances where when people get something for free, they treat it as if it's extra valuable. Right, as opposed to if they paid one dollar for it, right? Because of it's, it feels like it was a great victory somehow.
1: Or the opposite. Or actually. the opposite, right? Because I think they people value what they pay for. Absolutely, there's an investment bias. Oh, I put this in exactly. I I, I flew uh sixteen hours to right. India, <clears throat> so I must have a great vacation. I, well, otherwise, why would I have done that?
0: When I first moved to New York, I liked. I started going to the theater. I'd never really liked going to the theater when I was younger. And, uh, Most
1: boring thing imaginable, but since you go, you have to like well, it. You have to say, oh, it was great.
0: No, not, not exactly that, but close. No, I actually did kind of like it. The Lion King kinda was kinda fabulous. Like <laughs> the Lion King is fabulous. But, but there was a time when I started to write about the theater in magazines, and then I was asked to become a Tony voter, which I thought was a huge honor. That does seem like a big honor. Turns out it's just a total sucker job because they need a certain amount of people who are willing, who are, you know, journalists and others, who are willing to go see every show on Broadway. So once you see... So you soon realize that most shows that get to Broadway aren't very good. Some are good, some are great, and many of them are not very good. How do they get there? How do they get there? You know, how does it be? There's somebody who's willing to invest. The business of Broadway has gotten much more realistic in the last 20 years, but it's still a little bit idiosyncratic. But I would have to go, theoretically, you were supposed to see every show. Every show, I got two free tickets. And when it was a big, famous new show, it was really exciting. But on the other 29 out of 30, where it's in the middle of February and you got to go see some show that turns out to stink, He'd still go. And I realized that, like, I'm sitting around people, even in that stinky show, who've paid 60, 80, 120, 200 dollars for a ticket. And I realized that when it was free for me, I just had absolutely no appreciation for it whatsoever. If I had paid $80 for that very same ticket, I know my mind. My mind would have said, Yeah, yeah, that was pretty good right. because I'd be embarrassed. To say then at least, maybe now I wouldn't be. I would have been embarrassed to say, you know what? I spent a bunch of money on something that was absolutely terrible. Right,
1: like let's say, I so you're into golf, and we've talked about this on many podcasts. Let's say I said, I have this book. You can buy this for $400, and it's the book. To learn the secrets of golf and if you let's say you actually believed me and gave me like the three or four hundred dollars i whatever would say I no did. i want to give you five hundred dollars for that right book. well let's say i held it back like i'm not so sure i could sell this i spent four hundred. you might offer five hundred dollars and then after you paid the 500 dollars, you'd be like oh oh this is like i'm gonna put it in a special place in my house it's like the bible of golf you know, because you paid the money, right. you this just is got it for free, en- you wouldn't en- care.
0: This is also the endowment effect, not only because the money, but because it's ours. So once I endow my identity onto a thing, so like there are these old studies that are really interesting where they would give college students like a pen or a mug or some other trinket, and then they'd offer them either to trade it in or to swap it for something different. And it would turn out that no matter which one of the trinkets you got, you would always consider the one that you got to be more valuable than the others. Only because it's you, and it was randomly assigned. (laughs) Don't miss the rest of our attempt to answer this question of the day. James and I will be right back after this very short message. I'm going to get serious on this. Every day is an important
1: day to take control of your financial future. There's a saying, there are three skills, making money, keeping money, growing money. And keeping it and growing it, people take for granted, but that's where a service like Betterment comes in. Betterment, America's largest automated investing service, the company managing billions of dollars for people just like you would like to help you do that. Betterment costs less than traditional financial services and uses smarter technology that automates your investing. This helps you make better financial decisions, and since your Betterment account invests with your personal goals in mind, you'll have added peace of mind, which is so very important when it comes to money, which is the cause of so much stress in life. It's easy to start investing with them right away by linking your bank account or rolling over your 401k or IRA. Remember, it's never too late to save for retirement, the trip around the world you always wanted to take, or any of your other long-term personal goals, and Betterment has changed the industry by making investing easier and at a lower cost. Get up to six months of automated investing free and more information when you go to betterment.com question. That's betterment.com question.
0: Betterment, investing made better. Here's a free dilemma that I'm curious to know what you'd have to say. So I got an email the other day from a guy who's job it is, he works for a company that installs Wi-Fi systems on passenger trains, so like Amtrak and blah, 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 blah. blah. that's a good idea. So he's saying that basically everybody wants free Wi-Fi on the train and because everybody wants it and in part because everybody wants it and therefore the demand is very high, the service is terrible and therefore everybody constantly complains about it. So his position is- That's not why the
1: service is terrible. Right, right. I
0: agree. I agree. But he's saying- This is crazy. People are getting a free thing, and even if it's not great, why should they complain about it, right? That's his position. And then he goes on to ask, are there other situations where adding value while not increasing cost negatively affects the perceived value? Is this a phenomenon that happens regularly outside my industry? Would we be better off not offering Wi-Fi at all, knowing it may never meet user expectations? Is this a special case where value is skewed because Wi-Fi is so simple and cheap to do at home? It's just because people in general, not everybody,
1: but there's always—and he's not talking about everybody. He's talking about the people he hears from. So there's always the vocal minority that are just plain dicks. They're just going to complain about everything.
0: Although, as someone who rides Amtrak a fair amount— and tries to use their Wi-Fi, it's terrible Wi-Fi. Here's what I wrote back. I said to him, your Wi-Fi is terrible. And I said, I don't blame people for complaining. Right. And I said, just because you offer something for no dollars, it shouldn't be crap. That's not what free is because you're sucking up time. So my suggestion to the guy is, if you want to brag about offering the free thing, you can't complain when people think it's crap. The reason it's crap is because it's free, so charge for it. That's what prices are for. So." Let me ask you this. James, let's say you need to take a train from New York to D.C., and that ticket costs, I don't know, $250 maybe, right? And you have an option to purchase a premium Wi-Fi ticket when you're buying your ticket for $270. So I'm building 20 bucks in. Do you buy that or not? Of course. Okay. Would $20 per passenger versus free now versus zero now not enable someone like a railroad to build a Wi-Fi system that actually works and that constrains... Demand because of the cost will keep demand uh, within reason. Well, the
1: good thing is, is that not everybody would be using it, so there's less bandwidth per person. I mean, more bandwidth per person, or so probably if, be better if service. everybody
0: wanted to use it at twenty dollars and that got it too crowded, then you need to spend forty dollars to make it better, right? Right. You figure out the right price point. It's interesting though, like his position, which I just disagreed with on a few levels, was that people are wrong to be complaining when they get something for free. And my position is you're wrong to offer something for free of poor quality and expect people to still appreciate it because there's nothing magic about free. Free can be much worse than something that costs a lot of money. Money's not the only determinant in the equation. And I think that's where a lot of people when they look at economics – like I'm always amazed that people – they won't spend $0.99 to buy an app, whereas the $0.99 that they'll spend in some other realm – they don't think about it yeah, like or maybe ten dollars like in a another. bag of
1: peanuts they'll spend a buck for and it'll be done in right. 10 minutes so why
0: is that because anchoring happened right there was anchoring where people got anchored at the price of zero for apps that was the way it was in the beginning and people have a hard time psychologically moving off the anchor but i think that the the psychology and the economics of free are fascinating
1: you know free is great as an initial marketing tool to get the word out about something. So Amazon, when you self-publish, for instance, you're allowed five days a quarter where you can put out your book for free. But once you're known and once your book is out there, there's no more benefit to free. People simply value what they pay for. Now there's going to always be that minority in music, in books, where everybody who anchors and was used to that free, they're gonna complain once they have to pay 25 cents. What I think everybody's gotta realize is that's just a minority, you have to ignore them. Like if you're building a business, and you're, you're dealing with these people who are angry that mm-hmm. suddenly you went from free to charging. Well, Hey, you want to build better feet. It's like what you were saying. You want to build better features. You want to hire employees. You want to do more research. You want to get to the next generation of the product. You want to have a sustainable business. Profits are the purifier of a business. So 95% will appreciate or at least be willing to value what they're paying for. But the 5% that isn't, they're the ones you hear from. So that's the confusion. They pe- think people think everyone's complaining. It's not free. But actually, it's only that 5% that you hear from that's complaining.
0: Also, we should remember, as Milton Friedman and others have famously said, there is absolutely no such thing as a free lunch. Like, there, like free doesn't really exist, you know? I don't know. We're doing this podcast. Well, okay. No. That's well, we a, have so advertisement. That's a, right, but, so that's a really good but example. I have blog
1: posts that I just put out there for free. That's totally free. I have no expectation back. You're
0: asking for people's time and attention.
1: Okay, I am. But that's me subjectively asking for people's time and attention. They don't have to give it to me.
0: With a motive of them falling in love with you on some level so that... I do need love, yes. So that they reciprocate in that way or maybe it is another way. Maybe it's a monetary way. Maybe you say, hey, I'm starting a newsletter that costs $500 a year and you can be part of a select special group that um, that pays me. But you're- Potentially,
1: but for many years, I just did it as blog posts for free, with no well, real I don't mean to say
0: that there are no things that have a cost of zero. I just think that the concept of free is something that people don't think about very thoroughly, and that if you do, you realize that everything comes with a cost, even if it's just an investment of your time. Right. Here's another example of something free, like Wikipedia versus Encyclopedia Britannica. Wikipedia built a free online encyclopedia and when i first started using it i was like oh my god this is so bad whenever i read anything about something i know even a little bit about i see how terrible it is it's wrong it's incomplete it stresses information that's inconsequential it leaves out the important stuff but over the years it's gotten much 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 better and it serves a lot of purposes including being a you know kind of source of sources so how does that how do we explain that so many people have been willing to put so much time into something that's given away and for which they personally get pretty much no credit or glory, at least that we can see from externally. They
1: get community and there is a hierarchy of Wikipedia editors, you know, based on how much experience you have editing Wikipedia articles. So so Wikipedia has used kind of this, the natural sense that humans want to be a part of a hierarchy and they've given a hierarchy to people. Like some people have more experience with Wikipedia than others and uh, their self-worth is derived from that.
0: Wouldn't you like to know what we're going to talk about on the next question of the day? Okay, we'll be right back.
1: Hey, wolf listeners, this is Hilary Frank from The Longest Shortest Time, where we ask the hard-hitting questions. What will happen if I don't have a shadow? What does the Tooth Fairy do with her tooth? Am I the real Batman? Who's Jesus' grandparents? John Willis, age three. Bring out the big guns. I'm actually, like, rattled. The Longest Shortest Time. It's the parenting show for everyone. Listen at longestshortesttime.com, earwolf.com,
0: or wherever you listen to podcasts. What's the best way to show your love for Question of the Day? Just go to iTunes and write us a review. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe. That way, you won't miss this what ranking do you kind of have to be in any area of life to make a living give me an example then what kind of person are you talking about a computer scientist a nurse let's say a, a musician ah that's a good one